So, was Thumper the Rabbit right? This famous co-star from the Disney film Bambi said this, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. The power of words. Michael Hyatt is an online Christian mentor from America, and he tells the story of the day he started a new school. And uh, this is what he says. When I was 14, my family moved from Nebraska to Texas. It was the middle of my ninth grade year. I remember walking into the school cafeteria for the first time. I was all by myself. The other kids had the luxury of established friendships, I didn't know a soul. The cliques were already defined. After making my way through the serving line, I slid into the nearest open seat. The kids at the table gave me the once-over, wrinkled up their noses, sniggered. I could feel my face getting red with embarrassment. I looked down at my food. Finally, one of the kids broke the ice. Man, you have one big nose. I was mortified. I didn't know what to say. I wanted to cry, but I managed a little laugh like it didn't really bother me. But it did. Every day, from that point forward, I would look at myself in the mirror, and all I could see was that big nose. It dwarfed every other feature. I studied it from every angle, but kept coming back to the same conclusion. I was merely a life support system for a nose. <laughs> it was my defining feature. Thankfully, I eventually grew out of this perception, but it literally took me 20 years. Even now, I'm a little self-conscious about it. Michael concludes by saying this, it just goes to show how powerful words can be. The careless word can shape or misshape someone's reality for years to come. We're currently working through a series looking at the letter uh, written, a uh, letter from the Bible written by a man called James. And the, the letter is a very practical letter because James is a very practical man. In fact, the Bible is a very practical book. And uh, James uh, 3 verses 1 to 18 says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a forest fire can be set, sorry, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from, from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So, here we see this author called Michael Hyatt agree, sorry, this author called James agreeing with this man called Michael Hyatt about the power of words. He creatively uses three interesting analogies. He says, isn't it amazing that a tiny piece of metal you put in a horse's mouth can move this huge creature around? And isn't it incredible that a tiny rudder has the ability to steer a massive ship? And isn't it scary that a massive fire which can wreak havoc and destruction can be caused by just one tiny spark? And he uses these three analogies And he makes the point that the tongue is a very small part of the body, but has great power. I don't know about you, but there are many times where I've spoken first and thought later. And so many times I've regretted what I've said. I used to believe in the philosophy that I would just keep speaking until something good came out. Um, But then I discovered in the book of Proverbs, it says that even a fool appears wise if he remains silent. And so I think there's probably something for me to learn from that proverb. So, but we all say things that we regret. Uh, as James says, the tongue is not easily tamed. Words that we might regret. I wonder if you can think immediately of words that you might have regretted saying. So for example, if your boss says to you, are you busy this weekend? And you say, no, not really. Oh, that's a word to regret immediately, I would suggest to you. So don't do that. Um, so Of course, we say things that we regret in all sorts of ways, but as illustrated by that early story from uh, Mike Hyatt's school days, actually words can inflict real pain. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That very famous saying is, of course, nonsense. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can tear my heart out. In this, in this bit of the Bible, James mentions how words can be quite paradoxical. He says, on the one hand, we use our words for good. On the other hand, we use our words for uh, damaging people, by the way, the things that we say to them. He says, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And so we're just going to spend a few minutes Now, looking at how we use words for good and how we can also avoid using words that damage. 
And as we've seen this morning, before Matt and Isaac were baptized, they shared something of their story of faith. They spoke very clearly about how God has intervened in their lives. They told us about the journey that they've been on as they have discovered for themselves their Christian faith. And we don't insist on people doing that, but we do encourage people to share something of their faith if they can. And we do ask that anyone who comes to be baptized at least makes a declaration of their faith in Jesus. And we do this because we see, as Dave's already said, we see baptism as a public act. We see it as a public statement. And so we ask people to make statements of faith in that public context. Why? Well, because words are powerful. And Maybe even today, already you've heard something. You're here, you're not sure of your faith. You're not really sure about church or Christianity. And yet something that Maybe Isaac said or something that Matt has said has spoken to you and it seemed to be relevant to you or appropriate to you or had a bearing upon your own life. I want to encourage you, if that is the case, I want to encourage you to act upon what you've already heard today because words are powerful. So let's just look at the way, first of all, words have the capacity of doing harm and also how they can do good. Let's start with gossip. In Proverbs chapter 16, it says, a gossip separates close friends. In Proverbs chapter 20, it says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. And finally, in Proverbs 26, it says, the, uh, the writer actually uses the same analogy that um, James uses when he talks about fire. Uh, it, it says, uh, Proverbs 26 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. And so we can see just from these three proverbs that gossip can damage relationships, can betray confidence, and can prolong arguments. Actually, as is often the case, I think the Bible says what we already know deep down in our hearts, that gossip damages it's not really a great revelation to anyone today, but it's tempting. It's tempting to gossip. Proverbs 18 tells us that gossip is like a tasty snack of food. Like a tasty morsel of food. Gossip is like Pringles. You know, oh, no, no, that's enough. Oh, go on, just one more then. Or Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly. Oh, well, just another spoonful. Gossip's a bit like that can be easy to be drawn into gossip. How do we avoid it? Well, there are two useful strategies to think about in order that we may avoid the road, going down the road of, of gossip, which I would suggest to you. The first is the biblical principle of doing to other people what you would want them to do to you. And so how would you and I feel if others were gossiping about us? That might be a good deterrent in the first instance. The second is to imagine that the person we're attempting to gossip about is actually standing in the room with us. Would we say the things we are about to say about them if they were present? If they were standing there, that's an integrity question. Let's look at swearing. As Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says this in chapter 4, Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that we may benefit those who listen. I would suggest to you that everyone has a league table of swear words. 
There are some that we decide are okay to use and others are not. How do we respond well to this? Well, the Bible tells us to guard our hearts. And then Jesus says that actually what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart, which is a bit of a challenge. So swearing can be a barometer telling us what's in our hearts and how we're doing. Now, I try to imagine when I'm in a conversation that there are two other people present in that conversation when I'm speaking to someone if I'm tempted to swear. Now, this might sound a bit mad. It probably is, actually. But um, imagine you're having a conversation and you're tempted to swear. And in the room with you, you have two other people, a five-year-old child and the queen. And I wonder whether that would have a bearing upon how you would conduct your conversation. The innocent... The innocence of a child and the respect for our sovereign may influence how we speak. Now, of course, if there are Republicans in the room, you would need to replace the Queen with someone else. But uh, you see the point I'm making. I believe it says a lot about how we respect people we're speaking to. If we swear in front of some people, but we don't swear in front of others, what does that actually say? about treating people equally with equal dignity? It's another integrity question. Just a thought. Now, of course, if we're Christians here today, then we would recognize, if we've used the analogy of the sovereign, we're always speaking in front of the king of kings anyway, and so maybe that should influence how we conduct our conversation. Finally, let's talk about arguments. This is my favorite of the three slides I've chosen. Um, Imagine you're walking along in the countryside and... um, you see someone walking along with their Rottweiler dog. And you run up to the dog and you kneel down and you grab it by the ears as hard as you can. I wonder what you would think about the wisdom of that sort of action. But it's interesting because the book of Proverbs says getting involved in someone else's argument is like grabbing a dog by the ears. Of course, we recognize that to argue is not necessarily wrong. We have different opinions, different points of view. It's good to express them. There's a lot of that happens in the Hotchkiss household. There's a lot of expression of points of view. And that's not necessarily wrong. The real issue is what words we use when we argue. And it's possible that as an argument gets out of hand, we say things that hurt and damage others. Being angry is not always wrong, but the Bible clearly says that when we're angry, we are tempted to do or say things that are wrong. And we need to be careful we don't do things that we will later regret or say things we'll later regret or will damage others. Again, the Bible has some great advice about how we should deal with some of those challenges. Earlier on in this very letter, the same letter, uh, this is actually something that Helen uh, spoke to us about and taught us on A few weeks ago, James tells us we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. We have double the amount of ears, the mouths, and so therefore maybe we should spend twice as long listening as speaking. You might be sitting there thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. You're doing all the speaking. We're doing all the listening, which is a good point, so I'll get on with it quickly. Um, We'll conclude with ways that we we should use words to build people up. (laughs) 
like these. Yeah. I realize that this slide is a slight distraction, so in a moment we'll move on from this. People, if you're listening on the website, um, you'll wonder what I'm showing you. Well, frankly, you should have been here. <laughs> it's not using very helpful words, is it? I'm sorry about that. Okay, uh, one of the values of our church is encouragement. We want people to encourage one another in this place. And we have a list of our values there, and one of them is encouragement. It's been a, a value in our church right from the outset. The word Barnabas means son of encouragement. And uh, today there are many guests in this room, many people who are not regularly around at Barnabas. And our desire for you is that you will leave this place more encouraged than discouraged. Be a blow if you don't, I'll tell you. But, um, you know, but after having conversations maybe with members of this church, we want you to feel built up rather than knocked down. We believe that we should be a place of encouragement and we, our great desire that people will come here and feel encouraged. We believe that God calls us to use words for good and we've seen some of that this morning. That's included the testimonies that these two young men have brought so brilliantly, which are words about God. We've, uh, we would also include our worship and our prayer time, which are words to God. We would also want to include the reading of the Bible and the preaching from the Bible, words from God. And so, but it also includes the words that we speak to one another. And on the subject of speaking words that help us, I want to finish by saying that actually sometimes words that do us good, and this is the tough bit, words that do us good are not always easy to say or easy to hear. In the book of Proverbs, it also says, you'll notice that the book of Proverbs has lots to say about words. It's a great book. And I've been going through it recently, and so I've been very influenced by it whilst I've been looking for a verse to give to my son. But in the book of Proverbs, it says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. So sometimes the things that we say may appear painful, but are actually really important. And I'm going to say some things now which I regard as really important. And some of these things may sound a little bit painful, but I assure you, I say them out of love. They are, as it were, wounds from a friend. I want to say that I believe, these are the things I want to say. I want to say that I believe that actually unless we take some examples from Isaac and Matt, unless we do have God at the very center of our lives and we keep him at the center of our lives, we live in a place where we are in danger of being very lost and very confused. I want to say that all of us in this room know that we're far from perfect, as Isaac mentioned. We know what's right, we know what's wrong. Sometimes we do things, say things, think things that are wrong. I want to suggest to you that if we believe that we are the masters of our own destiny, actually, when we near the end of our lives, we may look back and wonder what all that was about. I want to say to you, I sincerely believe in the reality of the living God and that he has the ability, the desire, and the capacity to transform lives in the way we've heard this morning. And then I want to add this. If God is real, then eternity is real. And what does eternity look like for every person sitting in this room right now? I sincerely believe that how we respond to God not only affects this life, but affects our whole eternity. Those are the tough things. 
And you may be sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, flipping heck. Or words to that effect, depending what you made of my conversation about swearing. <laughs> you may think I'm annoying or arrogant or deluded or trying to tell you how to live. Or, alternatively, maybe you're thinking very deeply about what I'm talking about. There may be people here just not really sure of your relationship with God, not sure about your eternal destiny, not sure you've actually been forgiven by God. There may be others here you know God, you love God, but you actually have been damaged by words spoken over you. There may be others who are deeply regretting things that they have said and they're struggling to forgive themselves or come to terms with that. There may be other categories of people in this room right now because you've been listening to me now, I guess, for about 20 minutes and I, gr I greatly appreciate your patience. As uh, For many people in the room, you may be responding in your mind and in your heart and in your emotions to some of the things I've said. As I've been speaking, you've been listening. The reason for that is that words are powerful. So with all this in mind, I want to conclude by reading some of the most wonderful and powerful words that I know. I wonder whether you would mind closing your eyes so that you can fully listen and concentrate on these words. Let's close our eyes. Just listen to these words. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die but will have eternal life. Jesus says, come to me if you have heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Jesus tells us that if he sets us free, we will be truly free. The Bible tells us that Jesus, God's son, used his body to carry our sins to the cross so that we can be free of condemnation. And when we become new Christians, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. just want to conclude by praying. Let's just continue to keep our eyes closed. Maybe some of the things I've said are relevant to you as I pray for us now. Maybe about where you're at with your relationship with God or whether you like Matt, needs to, need to rethink and come back to him. Maybe it's about being damaged by words or words that you've said that you regret. There may be things that God is speaking to you about that are very relevant to you. <coughs> Father God, I want to thank you for every life sitting in this room right now, for every person, for all that they are and all that they have. And I want to pray that you would reiterate and strengthen in their hearts and in their minds the things that you would want to say to them today. And I want to pray too, Father, that you would give them the courage to respond to the things that they know you are saying to them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Okay, thank you.